And as you're finding your seat, if you would take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12, please, in your Bible. We're going to have a sermon today that is well into the application part of the book of Romans. We have spent 11 chapters digging through the deep teaching, the foundational truths of this rich and fantastic book, and now what we're going to see is application after application after application. I'm going to ask you if you would help us out today by using your imagination. We're going to see at least a couple different illustrations, and the goal for us is for you to be able to see these few verses and exactly how it can apply, not just big picture, but for how it can apply to you today. We're going to cover verses 3 through 8 of Romans chapter 12, and I think that you'll find it very, very practical. When we look into God's Word, we know that Jesus was a master storyteller. Don't you love the stories that Christ would tell? Probably some of you can remember some of those specific times when he confronted somebody or when he brought up an illustration. And of course, with Jesus speaking, it was God, and he was perfect, and so it's a perfect illustration. But I think that the Lord loves for us to learn today by illustration. And so I'm going to ask you to use your imaginations as we get started. And what I want you to imagine is, if you can, imagine a, a countertop in front of me. Can you picture that? It might help for you to think of it as a cooking show. Now, I'm not going to do any cooking for you today, but I want you to imagine a cooking show with a master chef behind the, cook, or the, the countertop. I'm no master chef. I can hardly cut tomatoes very well. Having said that, I want you to imagine a master chef. I want you to imagine the countertop out here. And I want you to imagine some specific ingredients. Now, I'm going to talk about one specific thing that can be made by a master chef. And I wonder if you might be able to guess some of the ingredients that are going to be placed on the countertop today. Because what we're going to see is that of those ingredients, the master chef understands that all of them are important to making what he wants to make, he or she wants to make, sorry about that ladies, what he or she wants to have made. Now, we'll start to search your memory to see if you know some of the ingredients that's going to go into our masterpiece for the day. Because the item that's going to be made today by the master chef in front of you is going to be the best chocolate chip cookies ever made. I think that chocolate chip cookies is a good illustration because most people appreciate a good chocolate chip cookie. By raising of hand, how many of you appreciate a very, very good chocolate chip cookie? I heard sometime back that if you want to sell your house, there are certain things you can do that are good tricks for that. And one trick that you can do is bake fresh chocolate chip cookies before somebody comes to look at your house. What a dirty trick that would be, wouldn't it? Can you imagine buying their house and being in there and never smelling chocolate chip cookies when you wake up in the morning? That's kind of a trick. Chocolate chip cookies are a good illustration for us. Now, I'm going to make some ingredients for us in a little while. And just in case you're in need of a new chocolate chip cookie recipe, this one is called the best chocolate chip cookie recipe ever. But some of you already know what's on the counter here, don't you? Don't you? Some of you know the ingredients that are going to go in. Now, this is not a complicated chocolate chip cookie recipe. 
It's not very difficult. In fact, I wasn't, I'm, not, I'm not a chef, and I wasn't surprised by anything that's on here. But what we're going to ask you to do is keep in mind the different ingredients and then how they work together to make something fantastic. I think that I'm going to be making some chocolate chip cookies in the next few days, or else I'll ask my, someone in my family to make me some cookies because I've been hungry for them ever since I've been preparing for this service. What we're gonna see in God's word today is that God's plan for you is to be a necessary ingredient on this countertop. It's a necessary ingredient for you to be involved in God's purpose for your life, and that purpose is going to mean that you're going to be one ingredient alongside other ingredients that are working together. Or, we're going to see how teamwork works in the body of Jesus Christ. All that to take us to Romans chapter 12. We're going to see two problems that are talked about by the Apostle Paul in the first part, and then we're going to see how it all comes together for those problems to be solved. What I see, first of all, in our text in verse number 3 of Romans 12 is the Holy Spirit's gift is abused when it is treated as primary. Now let me do some explaining there before I read verse number 3. We will see that the Holy Spirit gives a gift to everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be talking about that in all three of our main points. And this gift can be abused when an individual looks at their gift and they view it as more important than the other ones in the church. Look at verse number 3 with me. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We find the word sober here. Paul says, think of yourself with sober judgment. We have just now found the challenge in verse number two that our thinking needs to be renewed by through the grid of the Word of God, daily the Word of God affecting us and changing us. And if we're thinking soberly about ourselves, we're going to remember the cross of Christ. We're going to remember that we did not bring anything to this thing that we call salvation, but we're simply on the receiving end. And that is going to be a good reminder for us not to think that God has given us something that is more important than the person down the pew from us. Paul talks about it in his personal case, and then he talks about it as far as what you have. He says here in verse number three, the grace given to me, and he's speaking here about a gift given from God that was unique. And then at the end of the verse, he says, the measure of faith that God has assigned. You have been assigned a gift from God, and you are a steward of that gift. I can say this with 100% confidence. Every man and every woman is a follower of Jesus Christ. God has given them at least one gift of the Spirit, one spiritual gift. We're not, to, we're not going to go over an exhaustive list today. We're going to see a couple other places where these gifts are referred to. But what we're going to see instead is that the Apostle Paul, dealing with this church in Rome, knows that they have some conflict, and he talks about two things that will be a problem in their conflict. And the first thing he says here is, don't think too highly of your gift. 
The question that has to be asked and answered by each one of us, because I'm telling you with authority that you have been given a gift by the Holy Spirit of God. So I'm telling you, here's the question that has to be asked and answered. Primarily, is the gift that God has given me, is it primarily for me? Or is it primarily for us? Now there's no doubt that I'm included in that if I say me. But there are too many people who look at their gift and they do not have a good balance. All the other ingredients on the countertop, they would look at it and they think they're the most important. Now, it's not a perfect illustration with chocolate chip cookies because I think there is one ingredient in the chocolate chip cookies that people might think is the best ingredient. Can you, can you think of what I'm thinking of? I'm not talking about the baking soda, okay? Nobody here wants to be the baking soda if you get to pick. And I'm also not talking about the vanilla extract. That's not the idea. It's not a perfect illustration because everybody here is thinking, you know, if I'm one of those persons, or if I'm one of those ingredients on the counter, I want to be the, what am I thinking of, the chocolate chips. Because you can grab some of those chocolate chips even by themselves. So it's not a perfect illustration. But what we find in the illustration is that with those objects, none of them are jealous of another. And none of them, the chocolate chips aren't coming to that countertop thinking, man, oh man, I am just the incredible ingredient of all of these. And we can learn a lesson by the idea that none of them thinks they are better than another. There is a, um, it's kind of a sarcastic expression that people will use to put another person down. And it goes something like this. Man, that guy thinks he's God's gift to women. Have you heard somebody say that before? Or maybe you'll hear it even in a different setting. Boy, that, that family, they think they're God's gift to the church. And we use that kind of tongue-in-cheek and kind of sarcastically. And it gives us a picture of someone who has a very elevated opinion of themselves. But I want to take that expression this morning and I want to ask you to change it. And I want to ask you to use it. Because I want to tell you today, in case you were not aware, that you are God's gift to this local church. You are a gift of God. And God wants to use you. And not just by yourself. Because when it comes to God's gift to the church, it is not just one gift. But instead, it's, it's like Christmas, right? There's all kinds of gifts. In fact, I'm looking even this morning at several gifts of God. Paul first gives the warning, don't think that you're the most important gift. When I think of gift giving and I think of a whole bunch of gifts, even more than is in the room that we're in this morning, I think of my childhood and I would go over to my Aunt Bernie or my Uncle Bernie and Aunt Marie's house. As I would go over to Bernie and Marie's house, I would walk in the front door of their house, and as you walked in, they had their Christmas tree set up in the front room, and the front room was a room that we could never use when we had a Christmas gathering. And the reason why we could not use that room when we went over there for a Christmas get-together was because Bernie and Marie had that room about two-thirds filled with presents for their kids and for their grandkids. I can remember I didn't get that many presents when I was growing up, and I can remember looking over that and seeing the dozens and dozens and dozens of presents that filled that room. And I was a little bit jealous. I didn't get that many presents when I was growing up. 
And I have oftentimes pictured what Christmas morning looked like or when the time when all the grandkids went through their presents looked like. And I get a little bit skeptical because I think of those kids opening up a present and looking at it and going, wow, and then just kind of tossing it aside and saying, what's next? We think of young people getting spoiled. We think of those people and it's not good for them. Let me ask you to try to picture this. If those grandkids are there and they've got the presents all around them and they open them up, does anybody here ever think that it's ever happened in the history of the world that if somebody had 15 presents to open, that they appreciated all 15 presents exactly the same? You think it's ever happened? We even don't send up that way as gift givers. As parents or grandparents, if there's more than one gift to open, sometimes what we'll say is, is we'll say, oh, well, don't open that one yet. Save that one for last. You know, that, that's the, the Red Rider BB gun. Save that one for the very end. And that's going to be the big gift. And yet, I'm here to tell you today that you are God's gift to the church. And that you will stand side by side with other gifts in the church. And this is where we will see success. The Apostle Paul knew they had confrontation, knew they had problems, knew that some of them thought they were better than others. And so right away when he tells them what to do, he is going to say, you have a gift that God wants you to use. And I'm confident that when they read that letter, some of them said, you got that right. God has really gifted me for this place. And so there is a warning. Be careful not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. Do not think that your gift is primary, but just picture it. Can you picture that, that tabletop with all the ingredients? Picture you on there, and you're going to be used for the most wonderful cookies ever made. Now, the second problem that the Apostle Paul gives, I think, is a bigger problem. As I study it through and as I've observed church over the decades, I think it is a bigger problem. Next I see the Holy Spirit's gift is abused when it is neglected. A church will not be thriving when there are many, many people who have been given a gift from God, the Holy Spirit, and they ignore that gift. The Holy Spirit's gift is abused when it is ignored. Look at verses 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and in individually members of one another. This is the second picture, the second illustration, and that is a human body. Paul gives a wonderful illustration here, because all of us understand what he's talking about when he says there's different parts to the body. And we'd be foolish. We'd be foolish to think that we could get by just focusing on one body part. Let me take you away from the cooking show. Can you remove yourself from the cooking show for a minute here? And let me take you to the place where you are needing to hire a new doctor. Let's say that you need a foot doctor, all right? And so you're looking for a foot doctor, and you make some phone calls, and you find one you think you'll like. And as you go to this new foot doctor, you go to the doctor's office and you wait in the waiting room for a while. And then they finally call your name. We're always so glad when they call our name. And you go into another smaller room where there's going to be an examination. And you discover something about this new doctor's office. 
you discover that through the vent that is right over your head, you can hear the conversation that's going on in the room next door. And it's not a patient, but instead what's going on is a strategy session for this foot doctor. You see, they have a problem. There are some people who are choosing not to get the work done on their feet because they've got some other things they need to take care of. They've heard from customers that they're going to wait to hire the foot doctor to do that job so that they can hire the dentist to do some work on their teeth. This is a problem because they're not going to get paid. And then you overhear them talking about a heart doctor. And you're thinking, well, surely a heart doctor is going to be important. And imagine your ears as you're at this brand new doctor's office and you hear somebody say, we want to smear the name of this heart doctor so those folks don't get their hearts worked on, but instead so they get their feet worked on. What would you think if you heard a doctor or some people in a doctor's office and they didn't want people to have their whole body well? What would you think if they were only concerned about their own practice? Well, you wouldn't go back to that doctor, would you? You wouldn't give him your business. In fact, you might turn him in. You might report that doctor. Because any good doctor is going to want for a patient not only to have healthy feet and a healthy heart and healthy teeth and healthy ears, but he wants everything to be healthy on that patient. We need to be thinking about the others that are in the body of Christ, many members of one body. And we need to understand that we need them to be healthy. Just like you're going to want your feet healthy, you're going to want your ears to work properly. And just like you want your ears to work properly, you want your rotator cuff to work properly. You should want all the different parts to work well together. The Apostle Paul points out a problem. He says there are some that are neglecting their gift, which means the church is not as healthy as God wants it to be. When this is working properly, we see healthy churches. And what brings me to a moment of pause and a moment of wanting to, you know, just uh, scream from the top of my lungs to people is that so many people are not serving because they think they're not needed. You see, when we look at all the ingredients, come back to the cooking show, when we look at all the ingredients on the tabletop, What's unique about the master chef is he is able to take so many ingredients and make them into something wonderful. And I meet one person after another who thinks that they don't have anything to bring to the Lord. And I know in God's word that it says they are gifted by the Holy Spirit with something that God wants them to do. And it makes me weep when there are people that are not serving because they think they're not going to have a part. And the next question I'm going to ask is a little bit of a rough question, but I want to put it out there for you to consider for people who are abusing this gift when it's being ignored. What about this question? If you were no longer part of your local church, no longer part of this church, would there be anything missing besides your attendance? You need to take a look at yourself and not ignore the gift that God has given you. And then finally, number three, where it all comes together, your gift from the Holy Spirit needs to be discovered and then needs to be joined together with the efforts of others who are using their gift. 
So you need to find out what your gift is, and then it is not to be there by itself. It is be, to be combined with everything else. And we have a, a starter list here, just a sample list, in verses 6, 7, and 8. Look at it with me. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. It's not an exhaustive list. If you want to do some further study, you can look up 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We find some more lists that are given there. But when you look at these lists, these things that are, that are needed in the church and these samples that some people have to do, there are so many different places where you can jump in. It says there that some people have the gift of teaching. Can I suggest to you that a person is not using his gift of teaching if there is not somebody sitting on the receiving end of that teaching? It mentioned there in our text that some people have the gift of leadership, of leading. Well, if someone has the gift of leadership, but there's no one following them, well, that's not working like it's supposed to. So many gifts. And I don't want you to get tied down to this list or the list of 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Don't get tied down to that because you might just need to start out with something. I'm not sure what my gift is. Well, just jump in. Get busy doing something. I've already planted the idea of chocolate chip cookies in your mind today. You could be a, really, a real blessing to people. Make some chocolate chip cookies and pray for them and then give them some of those chocolate chip cookies. This recipe that I have makes 36 chocolate chip cookies. You could be a real encouragement to some people. Now, if you only give them one, that might be a small encouragement, but maybe you can make two batches. When we think of serving, there are so many different parts to the body. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 talks about this when you're approaching the gifts of the others in the church. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Look each of you not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, have some of you guessed what, what might be in our chocolate chip cookies? I'm going to read you the ingredients, and then I made a copy of I made a copy of the, um, the recipe and I put it in a red folder in the back. If you're ready for a new recipe, you can grab one of those. That's my gift to you. The chocolate, the best chocolate chip cookies recipe ever is what it's called. Here's the ingredients. Picture over here. One cup of salted butter, softened. Right next to it, one cup of granulated sugar. And then we have one cup of light brown sugar, packed. Over here. Two teaspoons of pure vanilla extract. Right next to it, two large eggs. Up here, three cups of all-purpose flour. And then these little tiny containers. One teaspoon of baking soda. One half teaspoon of baking powder. One teaspoon of sea salt. One last ingredient, what is it? It's the chocolate chips, all right? Two cups of chocolate chips. Now you take one of those recipes, and you make yourself some chocolate chips, or some chocolate chip cookies. But as you're making those, I want you to be encouraged by this. Those ingredients don't sit there on the counter, and they don't complain that they're not another ingredient. Instead, the master chef uses them, mixes them together, mixes them together at the right time, 
in the right way, and he creates something wonderful. You, as a child of God, have something to bring to that countertop that makes you necessary. Has anybody here, I don't want you to confess your sins too much to me, but has anybody here been doing making a recipe and you left out a key ingredient? Anybody done that? You, you left out a key ingredient? Sure. And when you sat down at the table and you were eating it, it hits you. And did anybody here have guests eat some of that food and they didn't say a word about it? They didn't say anything? But you ate it yourself and you knew you left out the key ingredient. I want to suggest to you today, you are a key ingredient. Now, let me tell you what blew my mind as I was walking through this text. Maybe it'll blow yours too. 100% of the daughters and the sons of God have been given a spiritual gift of some kind. Some of you might have it listed here in these, few, in these verses that we looked at. Some of you might be searching for your spiritual gift. But guaranteed, 100%, every one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, has a spiritual gift. And I walked through what would it look like if 100% of the people who have a spiritual gift all used that spiritual gift in a local church. What would that look like? You know, I couldn't keep you busy enough. And thankfully, it's not my job to keep you busy. It's your job to be praying about how God would use you. But here's what also we need. We need individuals that will seek out how to pick somebody else up. We need some that will be looking to help somebody find their spiritual gift and use their spiritual gift. I remember very distinctly many years ago uh, as a teenager in my local church, and I was just hungry for church. I was just, I was interested in the church and I was in love with the Lord and wanted to serve in whatever way that I could. So, you know, I, I cleaned toilets and I uh, would vacuum stuff and we would have college and career activities. And I loved doing that. And then one day, there was a gentleman, a mature gentleman in my church. I wasn't that close with him. And he came up and we were talking. His name was Gary. And as Gary and I talked, he said, you know, there's not very many guys in the choir up there, Jeremy. I was thinking maybe me and you could join the choir. I had never sang in a choir in my life. I wasn't that interested in singing in the choir. I kind of did, you know, uh, soccer and basketball when I was in school. I didn't do the singing thing. And yet, he came alongside and invited me to come with him. And I love the time that I spent singing in the choir. I'm not a great singer, but that was something that got introduced into my life because somebody came and said, hey, would you be willing to do this? Not too long after that, Gary said, hey, what are you doing on a Sunday afternoons before choir practice? And I said, I'm not doing anything on Sunday afternoons before choir practice. And he said, how would you like to have a Bible study with me? And we went through and had a Bible study. We used a little book, it was called One by One, W-O-N by O-N-E, One by One. And we went through that Bible study book. And Gary wasn't a master Bible teacher. In fact, I asked him all kinds of questions that he didn't know the answer to. But what came from that is years down the road, I bought some more of those Bible study books and I would invite somebody to come with me and have a Bible study. My point is this, we need people to find out what their gift is and use it. We need people to not think their gift is better than everybody else in the church. We need people to stop neglecting their gift. But what we really need to see some wonderful, wonderful results in our church family is for some of you 
to encourage someone else that they have been given the gift from God. And how can they use that gift? Imagine if we had 10. Imagine if we had 10 people that in the next year were going to take on the challenge to encourage somebody else to use their gift from the Lord for God. Let's up it. I think we can up it. I know the people that are in our church. I know several that are already doing this. Imagine if we have 20. 20 people who are going to take on the challenge in the next 12 months. I am going to find somebody that I can encourage to use their spiritual gift. Maybe you can be an encourager. Maybe you can be one who's going to find somebody who has never served in the church. They've never served the Lord with their spiritual gift. And you can help them to get busy in doing this. So what can we do? Well, very obviously, know your gift and use your gift. And what's going to be involved in that possibly is trial and error. I remember someone saying to me not too long ago, I just don't know what my gift is. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to serve. And they have been in church for more than 40 years. Some of this is going to be trial and error. So don't stop trying. And then ask yourself the question, am I helping anyone else to find and use their gift? That might mean it's something that they have a real heart for. It might mean that you pray with them about how they can be used of God. It might mean that you go through the one another's of the Bible. And as we close our time together, can you picture the ingredients here? The master chef, our God, uses these ingredients and he mixes them together to make something amazing. And just because you're not the chocolate chips doesn't mean you're not something amazing. You might be the baking powder. I think that's probably the least appealing of all those ingredients, don't you? And yet God says that you are nothing less than everything else. But what you have to do is you have to allow yourself to get up on that counter. Allow yourself to be used. And the church will look different this year than it looked five years ago. And it will look different a year from now. And it will look different 10 years from now. Because God will bring you different people. And some of you will take the challenge to bring somebody to the point where they are using their gift and it gets mixed in. And some of you will look at some ingredients and say, how in the world can God use that? Well, that's why he's the master chef. That's why he's the master baker who will make something that is exactly what he wants it to be and something that will last for eternity. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, when we look to you, we thank you that you know us. And I think that some struggle on that side of not knowing their gift or maybe ignoring their gift. They're not busy trying to figure out what you want them to do. There are some that need that warning that the Apostle Paul gave, that they don't think too highly of themselves. I think there are some who take themselves out of the game because they had this high opinion of themselves and others didn't share it. And the devil loves to see us get on one side or the other, ignoring our gift or thinking that our gift's more important. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that it is your plan to use all of your sons and your daughters. And I would ask God that you would help us to be tender to that. It would be my prayer for our church family that you would allow them to be up on the countertop, not thinking that they're more important, not confused how God's going to use that piece over there, 
that ingredient, but I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the wonderful blessing that it is to be used by you. And we thank you that you will work these things out for your good, for your glory. And thank you that we can be a small part of it. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one no one's looking around, I want to give you a chance to pray. If you're here today and you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, you're now a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you can be forgiven and have a home in heaven if you will simply stop right now and pray and ask Him to forgive you. Make you His child. He promises to do that. If you're not sure what to say, don't be nervous about it. Start to pray to God. He'll help you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ and you're here, maybe you're, you know what your gift is and you're using it. Maybe you're not sure. And then maybe you're one who needs to bring somebody alongside you. You need to encourage someone else to use their gift. This is how churches grow. I'll go around and visit churches sometimes when I have opportunity, and I'll see healthy churches. There's no doubt in my mind. It is just people who thought that God could use them and they were willing to be used. Some of you need to have a vision. Put your arm around somebody and encourage them to serve. Take a moment to pray, however God's going to do it.